Hey everybody, welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at here is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. You know, today we're going to talk about the source of, of all unhappiness, or what happens when your life conditions don't meet your, your expectations. Uh, um, so, so tell me, I mean, right off the bat, Angie, what do you think, I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment, that the unhappiness is... Is the source of uh, that when your life conditions don't meet your expectations, that's where unhappiness comes from. Yeah, um, I'd never really considered it being the root of, of everything, but <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. I think for you know, relatively doing okay people, you know, people that are employed or going about their lives, this is probably some of the root of the source of their mm-hmm. discomfort. You know, it's it, the, the Buddhists have like a similar idea. It's not exactly the same. Uh, I think they call it dukkha or dukkha or whatever, yeah. whatever it is that they say. But it's basically, you know, your pain in life comes from the fact that you want things. Yeah. And it's that wanting. Uh, I mean, sometimes you get it. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get the things you want, mm-hmm. and then you're then you're happy. Right. But when you don't get the things that you want, uh, then then you're unhappy. That's right. Well, we were talking a little bit about this in an episode we did a couple weeks ago on relationship, when I was talking about being in relationship with the relationship rather than the person. And that's centered around a lot of this thought, the expectations that you had of the relationship aren't being met, which is making you feel bad. Um, And this, what we're doing today, it spreads out in lots of aspects. Spreads out, yeah. Spreads out, yeah. Uh, I, I think to some degree, I, you know, I, I used to try to make exceptions around this, right? Um, so maybe you're unhappy because someone has actually locked you in a dungeon um, or in a basement. I that's, guess people don't have bummer, people actually. don't have people don't have dungeons anymore. Uh, but even then, it still really comes down to this this gap between what you want, your expectations, how you want life to be versus your, your current circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can imagine. And, you know, I've never been one of these people trapped in the basement. Uh, You've never goodness. been one of those people? No. <laughs> All but, but those I, people out right, there that are that, trapped in the basement? I know that they exist. I yeah. mean, it's a real thing, right? Um, <laughs> you remember that guy in Austria who had his daughter trapped in the basement for like decades and you know had grandchildren that were trapped down there too yeah yeah right i mean it does exist it's a it's kind of an offbeat example i mean it's not like i know r kelly had somebody trapped in a closet i mean that happened no no right. so uh, he was tra- he was trapped in the closet oh he he was trapped yeah in the closet. and i don't really want to have uh i mean you know that's fine it's r kelly right he's like the least He's unhappy. Let's say that. No, no. And I, I think it was more, I was just kind of trying to make a little joke. So, yeah, know, we're not really going to. it was about R. Kelly. He was trapped in a closet. <laughs> but, you got it wrong. Right. he was trapped. Okay. Um, All right. Let's move, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, we're moving on. Okay. Um, 
of all the examples. Uh, so, but <laughs> if you, you know, if you're one of these people who you're you're trapped in, uh, I'm still on this one example. You're on the basement, right? yeah, I got uh, it. Mostly because you know people came in with all other types of stuff. Well, well uh, there's only one person, but it was me. Go ahead. Um, but still, you you are expecting your. I mean, you want something different for your life. Sure. You want to not be trapped. Yes. In in, in a basement or nope. dungeon. That's right. Um, but because, I mean, you can make an argument about this basic idea of freedom, right? Um, but say you're one of these people that you actually want to be in a basement for a long time. Okay, you're one of those people? Because they exist too. Because now we have another Because they exist too. On. Got it. Uh, then being trapped in a basement doesn't make you happy, right? Because it's exactly what you want. So That's I'm, right. I'm, I would love to know where you're going now. No, I, all I'm saying is that the basic distinction between... Um, or this this basic kind of disparity right between um, your life circumstances yes and how you want your life to be that's right, right? your expectations right that that is the source of unhappiness like writ large okay well how about this let me ask you a question you ready with the way that your life is now right if you had considered this life five years ago um, would it have meant... Did you have expectations about it? Five years? Was it 2015? Yeah. Okay. Did you have expectations about it? Number one. Here's another question. And did... Has your life met those expectations? That's two. Um, so 2015... So I've, I've had probably expectations. I mean, I, we all have expectations. So yes, I had those. Okay. I just... Uh, has it met those? Yeah, it's met those. It's methods. Oh, well, then now I have to go in a different direction. Oh. <laughs> um, I think... When what, I was... what, what? You answered the question yourself. Has, <laughs> has, has your life met the expectations of 2015? Since 2015? Um, yeah. But here's a thing that I, I think I put into practice probably around 2014, 13. Started to understand that a lot of my angst was around um, noticing that what I had wanted or what I was wanting, I wasn't getting. And how the that conflict for me created distress. Right. That's actually like, that's the topic of this show today. I know. I, you asked me the question, okay. I'm answering it. And I had to examine what those expectations were, whether I could meet them or whether I could accept really where I am, you know, and to work with the circumstances at hand. Once I let go of this idea that somehow things were supposed to be different and I could look at each day as this is how this day is supposed to be, it it started to change my life. It sounds so simple, right? It sounds like, I don't know what they call them, life hacks. Um, (laughs) So in in what ways did it it change your life, do you feel? Well, I think it... It geared me towards or pointed me towards acceptance. Um, So I was no longer looking at something as if it shouldn't be happening. I was just accepting that it was happening and what I was going to do about it. Whether that was amazing or whether that was uncomfortable. Um, And I think it keeps me, and I know this is a a practice out there in terms of um, being present to yourself, but it keeps me in the present. Now, of course, I don't do this all the time, but I think in a very general sense of how my life looks, right. um, 
I certainly want to improve and, and do better, but I'm not, one of, I'm not one of these people that walk with this consistent thought of, I wish things were different. I wish I had X. I wish I didn't have Z. So, you know, I mean, Tony Robbins, uh, who is, uh, you know, a lot of you guys know who Tony Robbins is, but if you don't, there, there are two Tony Robbins to consider. Uh, and I had, to, I had to actually kind of discover this. There's the Tony Robbins of his early career. Right. Okay. Who I think uh, for a lot of people is very kind of uh, like combative. No, but like leaves a kind of weird taste in your mouth, right? Okay. Or leaves a kind of weird impression, right? Oh yeah, didn't he get arrested or something? No, 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 I don't think that he did. But uh, he was kind of smarmy. Uh, Tony Robbins was was kind of a smarmy character, I think, and which is not to say necessarily bad, but just like left a bad feeling. Uh, but, you know, I think over the course of his career and having done what he had done for so long, he really started, you know, to kind of transform into uh, like a genuine guy, I think, who was dedicated to, to helping people. And the only reason I say this is because if I invoke Tony Robbins' name, uh, I want people to understand I'm talking about the latter Tony Robbins and not that early Tony Robbins. And, and they really are kind of different entities. Anyway, that being said, uh, Tony talks about this... Um, he talks about what it means to, if you are in this kind of uh, conflict between um, what your life should be or however you conceptualize what mm-hmm. it should be, uh, your circumstances versus, he calls it your blueprint, or your circumstances versus your expectation. You can actually, instead of, so one of the things you can do is is change your expectations. Right. Uh, which I think is, in some sense, is what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You were able to change your blueprint, change your expectations, uh, change whatever it is that you were thinking, the, the part that you're holding in your mind, mm-hmm. to change that. And that trickles down to actually how you experience life Yeah. Uh, once, you you know, your kind of model of the world changes. Right. Yeah, I think there's, I'm thinking about a, a particular circumstance yesterday. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that kind of, I was kind of talking to my oldest daughter about the way she was experiencing life. Um, and we were talking about it in a general sense, but I narrow, I was narrowing it down to just the events that had happened in the morning. Um, she was, we were sitting at the ceremony and it, I'll spare the details, but it was going for her way too long. She was getting really frustrated and um, ends up like, stepping out for a while I stepped out with her and she was just really complaining about it like it's too long this is you know not okay and she was worried about the people that felt like that she thought that might be getting hurt um and you know I kind of backed her up a little bit and said okay so this feels long you're frustrated but really I mean in the grand scheme of things what's so frustrating why why are you feeling so just you know discouraged or disgruntled around this right um we had a similar experience in the uber ride (laughs) she was trying to show me something on her phone and the uber driver um inserted herself in our conversation same thing she was just you know she was stomping up the stairs why is she inserting herself in our conversation right so and you know these things in life can be frustrating. But it was these moments, I took both of those moments to say, you could either feel really bad about this or you could really just see it as a life event and it's okay. Nobody's getting hurt. Nobody got murdered. You're fine. You're breathing. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to like 
dismantle her entire state in that are those two states of mind in that day but i was trying to give her some understanding of how maybe she could enjoy life a little bit you can sit there tap your toe get mad call people names and storm out right that's not yeah i think that's not effective i mean so i mean to your point um one of the things you can do is you can change your expectations right, right? Uh, and you cannot be bothered by it right but the other thing that you can do is you can change your circumstances Right. Um, which is, so I, the, if there's anything that I don't advocate for, mm-hmm. it's not changing your circumstances or your expectations. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there and being angry, sitting there and being disappointed. Uh, I mean, that, you want to talk about unhappiness. Mm-hmm. That's both unhappiness and a sense of powerlessness, mm-hmm. uh, which is terrible. Who mm-hmm. wants that? <laughs> um, so my recommendation to anybody listening, if your circumstances suck, and your expectations uh, don't match your circumstances, the, le- the least powerful thing to do, uh, the least helpful thing to do is to just be mad about it and do nothing else, right? Uh, if you can change your circumstances, change them. Right? Yeah, I, I agree so, with that. So, you know, what I tell Uber, I'm, let me, let me, no, no, what ahead. I tell Uber drivers all the time when I don't want to hear them talk, which is I'm rarely in Uber because I don't like it, uh, but when they do st- start talking, I ask them not to talk mm-hmm. um, because I, I don't, I don't want to hear anything that they have to say. Right? It's like a weird late capitalism transactional kind of thing that we're doing, and it makes me feel yucky to even be participating in it. But the, you know, if we're going to do this, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and I hear that, and we may be getting into some minutia here, but I, I have probably in the last few years, one of the things that I have um, considered is opportunity for connection over disconnection. Um, And, you know, you and I probably were wired a little bit differently, different in this way. But somebody like an Uber driver, I mean, I could focus on whatever it is that, you know, is happening in terms of the capitalistic idea of the process or the transaction. But I see them as a person first. I see them as somebody who I could even experience. I've had really wonderful conversations with Uber drivers. That, and I'm not amazing. saying it's for everyone. But I am saying that kind of idea around um, I don't want to talk to you, it shows up less for me because I'm really curious. I'm curious about people. I'm curious about connection. And I'm even curious about the you know the Uber driver who's driving me somewhere. And I, I experience them not as just this object of capitalism, I experience them as a person and our engagement and interaction sometimes is really cool. Sometimes it's not, sometimes I don't make conversation. Lots of times I don't. And that works out too. But I think I have been prone to more and more. If they engage in conversation, I have a 10 minute lovely exchange. I know more about the world in some ways, more about their world and it's a good day. Yeah, it sounds like it works out for you. It sounds like it wasn't working out for your eldest daughter. And what I'm saying is that in terms of how people can approach things, they can either change their map, uh, their blueprint, their their expectations, mm-hmm. or they can change their circumstances. Right. And so I, while I, it might not be a fit for you, one of the things that your daughter could have done, instead of acquiescing to you know the powerlessness of the situation, she could have said, hey, could you not talk? Yeah. And that would have been her changing her circumstances. Absolutely. I do think that there is a a process, though, that you can engage in of changing circumstances, you know, using the power to do something like you could walk out. Um, 
I don't know that that amount of frustration was helpful for her. Like walking out, she's changing her circumstances, right. but there was still so much complaining and disgruntlement. And that's where I was bringing her to. Right. You can stay out here. That's fine. I'm always chastising. I'm trying to help her think through it. Um, but think about how it, it felt disproportionate. Like, I'm so mad that this is happening. And it's that idea. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about it like when somebody cuts a car, like cuts you off in a car. Right. And he says the language that you'll use is, look what they're doing to me. Right. And the truth is, nobody was doing anything to Sadie, my daughter, right. in this room. She was experiencing something that was a gathering that was done, you know, by a lot of people. But... You know, for her to take this personally and to get mad and to find what I thought was a disproportionate level of frustration and disgruntlement over just having a peace of mind if you want to walk out, that's okay. But do it in peace. It's okay. Yeah, so I don't disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. I think the, the, the thing that you are talking about, though, really moves... So this is this this moves the person into the spiritual realm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be clear, when I say spiritual, I mean uh, spiritual. I think is, is that that type of observation of the self that lies beyond uh, the scope of psychology. It's transcendence. Right? Uh, a, a lot of the time, it is. Yeah. Um, but I think when you start observing a self in a way that is is, you know, so if you're talking about like, say you go to um, what's her name, the famous uh, Esther Perel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, She's a famous expert, relationship expert. Right. right. And she, you know, Esther Perel, she covers uh, things in relationships like um, infidelity. Yes. So if a, if a couple were at like a, like a, in a therapy session, mm-hmm. and then one person said, oh, this person cheated on me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you could very easily say, well, this didn't happen to you, right? This didn't happen I don't happen think on... I could do that very easily. Well, I think that's so, different. So I, I hear that you think it's different, but really I, this is the limits of psychology. Psychology ends still in a relationship to other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas what Eckhart Tolle is saying, this didn't happen to you, is really taking all of the outside actions and removing the self from that in a particular kind of way and saying, I can be the observer of my world and nothing happens to you per se. Uh, and that's really a spiritual distinction that's different. I think it's beyond the scope of what psychology can do. Uh, the only reason I bring it up is because it's very hard to get there. Um, and we can get there. But for someone who is your eldest daughter is in her 20s? She's 23. For someone to get there at 23, I think it's nearly impossible. Yeah, I I disagree with that, um, respectfully. I don't know that it's nearly impossible. I also kind of... I have a distinction around your example. Um, like infidelity, if you were to say someone didn't, they didn't really do this to you. If there's a marriage contract that's already binding and there's already been an agreement that says we are monogamous, um, there is a violation around that contract that pertains to the person that was violated. Okay, so they violated the contract. They didn't do anything to you. Well, I mean, I'm not talking... So I guess we could split hairs here, but I'm not saying it's necessarily physical. I mean, even the cutting off of somebody is not a physical act. And right. no, so I, I'm I'm considering in this is something that would be clear around relationship. If I already have some kind of connection and understanding from this person. So, you know, I, I think Eckhart Tolle's example works because... 
you know, one of the ways that he expands on it is like, this person doesn't know you. They, they weren't trying to get to you. They weren't trying to intentionally lie, deceive you. This wasn't happening. Right. So he's the person, could be a woman, could be a man. They weren't doing it to you. They were probably maybe just taking a turn. Maybe they didn't see you. But infidelity is a, um, it is a, an intentional breach in what has transpired between the two people. So I wouldn't say that they're not doing it to this person. Right. I mean, not physically. They've cheated with somebody else. But there's an emotional break there. Right. And that is, I think, pertains to you did it to me. I think these circumstances can't be... Right. Um, it's not equivalent. There, I mean, there's not an equality for all things around you. No, don't so, do, I mean, again, if we, me. if we look at what the Buddha would say about Dukkha, I think when people understand that the pain that comes from in, in, uh, from infidelity is they're still attached to a particular expectation. Yeah. And it's their attachment to what they want. Uh, and then the circumstances being different from that, that really is the source of the pain. Yeah. Which the Buddhist argument is the spiritual one. And all I'm saying is that there are limits to where psychology... You know, psychology can take you up to uh, the observation of, of you. Uh, but it doesn't really go into the realm of the self-observer observing the, the observer. That is to say that... Um, what the... So psychology can have you observe your behaviors. It can have you observe your thoughts. It can have you observe uh, your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the, the that Indic kind of Hindu Buddhist train of, of, of thinking is is it can have you observe the observer. Okay. Uh, and and that's really the distinction. Uh, and, I, and I think. Uh, yeah, just in, in terms of what your daughter was experiencing, mm-hmm. it really sounds like she can be free of all dukkha, right? She can be free of all pain. She can be free of all of the kind of pain that comes from uh, external circumstances not matching your desires. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really a push into spiritual observation that I don't think. I, I've never met a 23-year-old. And even looking at the life of the Dalai Lama, I was just the, Dal- the, Dalai the Dalai Lama was not that ready at 23. <laughs> okay. I'm not considering an all or nothing thinking. I'm not pushing Sadie into some realm of let go of all attachment. And I'm not promoting, you know, I mean, I'm not promoting or not or promoting Buddhism. I was speaking to that moment of either you can transcend it. And I think that is somewhat of a spiritual practice. But I wouldn't give her that advice if she was in a relationship, maybe a marriage contract that promoted monogamy and her partner was cheating on her. I wouldn't say to her, he didn't do this to you. I wouldn't say release all of your expectations about this person because I do think in relationship, we have to expect things from each other. Do do we have to? Well, hold on now. I'll talk about it and then you can ask me that question. We have to expect things because... I think in relationship, this is how we work through life in conflict and in growth, saying something like, you know, when that happened to me, that really hurt. And can we talk about it? And the other person getting to hear maybe they were wrong, maybe they weren't, but a path for them also to see themselves in light of the relator. Right. Um, So I do think I, I don't think we I guess I don't I'm not saying we have to like it's not a mandate. It's not oh, a rule. I thought you said we have to. Well, I'm correcting that. But I am saying, you know, I believe, we're talking about personally, we're on the show talking about our, our, the substance of our belief. I believe in relationship, that we work things through. 
Um, and not to say that there isn't some growth and expectation around that because being with somebody gives us the opportunity to know ourselves better as we also know that other person. Right. No, I, so yes, I mean, that, that's kind of, my, I, I agree with you. As long as we're in the realm of psychology, I think that that's exactly what psychology can offer. I and mean, I think that that's also its limit. And we can look at what the Buddha himself did. Buddha had a wife and a child and walked away from that relationship because he was in pursuit of something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I don't, you know, one way to do it is kind of within the realm of this relationship thing, but we don't have to do it that way. And to your point also around um, what you were saying about a 23 year old, that you don't know any that are capable of that. Is that, is that what you were right. saying? Um, <clears throat> I, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I don't know every 23 year old in the world. So I, don't know if some have reached this place, but even with my 14 year old, oftentimes I will break these things down and introduce them to them, knowing that perhaps they're not going to get it. But the more I say it and the more I express it, that I think eventually in their life, when they're ready, they can start to internalize it and put it into practice. Right. I hear that. You know, Joe Dispenza has has a model. There's a, there is a, Guy out there named Joe Dispenza. He is a, I think he's a chiropractor. Is he a chiropractor? Uh, yeah, he's a chiropractor who ended up spending, I guess, the latter part of his career really delving down into neuroscience. Uh, and so his, you know, his his credentials don't necessarily match uh, what what you might hope. Uh, but whatever, he's a smart guy. He has done lots of research and has some really, I think, powerful insights into um, what our brain does. Mm-hmm. And his argument is that, uh, so I, I hear what you're saying about um, about internalizing and having the messaging. And I think having that messaging, uh, and the same for, really the same for the Dalai Lama, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's gotten a particular message his whole life. And I think that messaging is important. Uh, but Joe Dispenza makes this argument that um, our brain is, is constantly making models and updating models, right? Every, everyone mm-hmm. agrees on that part. Um, and that you're essentially gathering new experiences over and over and over again and trying to make finer distinctions about the world that you live in. Mm -hmm. And somewhere around 35, you've made so many uh, models that nothing else seems new. Mm -hmm. And you see a couple things happen between like, let's say 30 and 35, where people become, you know, they tend to become less adventure seeking. Uh, They tend to start to ease out of the party scene. They ease out of all the scenes that they're trying to take in, right? Their music uh, starts to, their music taste tends to solidify for a lot of people. By the time you're 40, you're kind of listening to what it was that you're listening to, but you're not in the scene anymore. Uh, And his argument is that after we've made a sufficient number of, of models that allows us to very well predict the world in which we live, by the time we can predict that world very well, then we kind of ease off of the model making because we essentially assume that, yeah, we got it. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also says that it's harder to change someone's mind once you are past that age. So people get, quote unquote, set in their ways. Um, And I guess all I'm saying is that at at the neurological level, someone who is 23, while I think the messaging is important, haven't made enough models that they're not still responding to the stimulus in their environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we come into this world responding to stimulus, and we are like stimulus-responding creatures. Uh, but at a certain point, we can kind of 
pull back from the, the world of responding to stimulus and really to direct our actions, direct our feelings and respond to something other than the natural world. And it seems on the surface of it that that comes a little bit later. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, we know that the prefrontal cortex isn't even developed until around somewhere around 25 or 26. And some research says even later. So I hear that. I do. I I have often thought I I remember even as a young adult um, having a message that my dad had said to me over and over again that didn't make sense or that I wasn't internalizing and then it just clicking. Um, and so I've had that experience. What was, what was well, that? Well, it's a funny, it's a little funny thing, but whenever I would get bothered about something um, or like what somebody was thinking about me or whatever mistake I'd made, my dad would say this little phrase that says, um, in a hundred years from now, no one will ever know the difference. And I always used to roll my eyes. So I was like, whatever, Dad, because it matters. It matters to me. But I think him saying, and he would say it all the time. I can still hear it in his voice until I remember one day it clicked. I was like, you know what? In 100 years from now, no one will know the difference. And it still goes through my head um, sometimes when something happens because, you know, it's about a perspective. He put things into perspective for me. I love that. That beauty of, um, and you know, it's, it's hard to see until you get there. Yeah. There's, there's a beauty that comes with the wisdom of having really made all these models, right? Um, one of the reasons that I really like Joe Dispenza's uh, thing is because it does feel at a certain point like you like you got it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you really understand the world in which you live and you're no longer trying to figure it out. Right. Um, and then when you're talking to people, I guess here's the, the, for me, the funny part, when you're talking to people who they haven't figured it out yet, mm-hmm. it seems, it's almost like silly, right? It's yeah. like, come on, like, it only works a couple ways. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, from young people, like, well, you don't know, you've never been in my shoes. It's like, yeah, but there are only so many shoes. Right, exactly. It only works so many ways, but they, you know, they haven't made that connection yet. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of love that. I mean, I love it and hate it, but I love that that like that kind of um, that just this discrepancy in how people who have been alive long enough. I'm like, I remember, you know, my mom saying to me, um, yeah. "What do you, you remember? Know, it, you know, when you get my age, you'll you know you'll come oh, to see." Oh, right, yeah. And uh, I'm like, no, mom, you don't understand. It's like I've been where you've been. I'm like, no, you haven't. You know, and it's like it's it's this kind of you know this uh, perpetual you know, conflict between parents and people who are trying to, yeah. like, you know, figure the world out. Um, but it's not that complex. It's really not that complex. Most of the world is not mm-hmm. that complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard. It's nearly impossible to get young people to understand that. Yeah. Uh, one little example, I guess, I'm telling a lot of stories, but just two days ago, I got these little coin, uh, I guess, coin wraps for my youngest daughter. She had all this change, and the bank teller told us we had to wrap the coins. And so we get them. She's asking me how it works. And I said, well, these are in denominations, so it'll be $10 worth of quarters. And she kept cutting me off and saying, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And I'm like, hold on. It does make sense. Let me explain it. And she says to me, bursts out, I know how it works. And I, I, I just said, okay, tell me how it works. Go ahead. Tell me. Well, now she's a little stumped. She's a little salty. And she said, I don't have to tell you. I just know. <laughs> and it was in my head. I thought, and it wasn't about, you know, I wasn't thinking you're a little rat. I was thinking little she's rat. 14. Well, right. I guess sometimes. But she's 14. She'd never done this before. So it wasn't about me telling her she didn't know anything. It was about me knowing you've never done this before. You don't have that experience. So I know that you probably don't know exactly how it works. And, 
yeah, it, to to your point, this young brain that somehow gets in there and says, "I got all the answers," and I'm 14 years old. Yeah, it's a I I I mean to be honest, I love that about the youth. It, but it, it's entertainment. Wow, it's so, so funny. frustrating. Yeah, well, for me, it's so funny. I watch him flounder. And just laugh, because um, whatever, like you'll you'll get it eventually. It might take you twenty years, yeah, um, but they'll get it eventually. Yeah. So let's leave people with some solid ideas of what they can do when they're. Uh, it sounds like we've covered two already, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that you can. Oh, I didn't even finish that sentence. Sorry, folks, I have ADD. Uh, what uh, people can do when their life circumstances don't meet their expectations and they're unhappy about it which is most of the time when those don't match up right Right. um one of the things that we can do is change our model of how things should be change our blueprint our map Mm -hmm. our expectations uh and that might be easier said than done um but so i I don't know some do do you agree that sometimes uh these expectations are, are harder to change oh yeah definitely so what do we do in those cases yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a lot of internal work. I was talking to a friend last night who really wants a partner, and I was thinking about these things. Like, how how do we get her to the place where she can accept her life without a partner when she right. so desperately wants one? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, so that's... You know, in those circumstances, and that kind of stuff in particular is, like, really hard. And it's I, hard work. I, yeah, I don't know where the biology stuff starts and mm-hmm. stops. I don't know, you know. Right. Uh, but one of the things uh, that, that kind of comes out of the realm of coaching is that we have people uh, to delve down. We ask why. And I'm sure this probably shows up in psychology a lot, too. But if it's this thing that you want, say it, the, the thing that you want is, is your expectation, right? Mm-hmm. I want things to be this way. Uh, is asking, why do you want that? Mm-hmm. And and at some point, you'll get like a certain, well, I really want to have this. But why do you want that? Uh, and you keep going down until you get to like one of these cores, right? And the core, you can almost always um, identify because it'll be like this basic kind of thing of like, I just want my mom to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. I just want my dad to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. I want to be accepted by whatever. It'll be like one yeah. of these like core things that doesn't on the surface seem like it, it relates at all. But if you dig down deep enough... Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you get down to this core of, I really want acceptance from my mom or whatever it is, then you can start to interrogate that feeling. Why was it that you didn't feel accepted? Mm-hmm. And you could look at the brokenness that, that kind of existed in that and see that that's really the driver. Trying to repair that, I think, is much, in some ways, I think it's much easier to, um, it's like in, in all those Exorcist movies, you have to name the demon. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't watch Exorcist movies, uh, naming the demon is a, is a key part to uh, for the exorcism to work. Uh, but yeah, but once you name the demon, so to speak, uh, it's much easier to try to correct that, that, that brokenness than trying to do it from this level that's super high up and the person thinks, oh, what I really want is a partner right. and trying to fix it at that level where, you know, deep down it's really about like, oh, I, I want my dad to accept me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's hard to get there. And I think, you know, there is really, you know, there is pain, particularly for this person not having a partner. So it's also reckoning with the pain, holding the pain right. and digging deep because right. it's not like the pain is going to go away necessarily. The pain is not going to go away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's one. And you know, that too, exactly to what we're saying, you know, how to change the blueprint. Right. Uh, I guess the other part is, um, so I want to, I want to go back. Um, you know, I, I know we're short on time here about this thing that you said about holding on to the pain. Yeah. 
uh, because I think people misunderstand the pain. Oh right, okay. Uh, I I love the pain. Yeah, that's a little masochistic. Yeah. So no, not <laughs> no, not, I know, not a masochistic way. I'm right? kidding. Yeah. But the pain, our pain, mm-hmm. is the number one agent of transformation. Yeah. It is only through our pain that we become something other than what we could, other than what we are. Yes. We only become what we could be through the pain. Like, you know, there's if you could imagine a bullseye, is like if if there's like. You know, comfort is is the outer level, and you know, you know you've heard me say this, right? Nobody makes a transformation at the beach, right? But right? that's not where transformation happens. Mm-hmm. And then you move into the realm of discomfort, and discomfort will can really motivate you to do some things to make some things better in your life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, lose weight, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. This discomfort can really do that. But as you start to go in toward the bullseye, and you get to that stuff that's like pain, and then mm-hmm. in, inside of that that existential angst, right? Uh, it's 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 identifying that and pushing through that and holding through that. I mean, that's where we. I mean, that's if there's such a thing as human potential, mm-hmm. it only comes through embracing that pain and saying what else could be, right? And so I love that part of yeah. the human experience. No, I think you're absolutely right. I was talking to a client about this the other day. It was you know whatever her fear was. You know, I was saying, okay, this is what you have to do. You have to walk straight through that. That's, that's right. gonna feel like fire. That's it's right. like it's alchemy, right? You come in. You break, put something in there, and then it comes out right. shiny something and transformed. Right. Yeah. So I agree with you. The pain is it. And in life, inevitably, no matter who you are, whether you're the Dalai Lama or not, you will have pain. That's right. You will. Life is pain. We know this. I mean, the Dalai Lama talks about, in a lot of his books, sometimes when he doesn't get the bread that he wants, they mm-hmm. give him another bread. How disrupted the no I'm kidding right I was just like what the <laughs> Dalai Lama is low key petty about bread no I'm kidding um, so but we have uh, we have uh, we have uh, what was the first note we said Ch- changing your expectations your blueprint yeah. um, really embracing the pain and using it as a tool of transformation and then lastly I, I guess it's changing your circumstances mm-hmm. uh, which is also hard I think because people are un Frequently, they won't do what it takes to to change the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, depending on how how hard uh, it is, and I don't want to make this you know. I mean, this can slide in a few different directions. There's a guy named uh, I think it was H. L. Hunt. He says everyone knows the price they have to pay to get a different life. Everyone knows, but very few people are willing to pay that price. Mm-hmm. But in order to change your circumstances, there's a price that you have to pay, and you have to pay it up front. Yeah. And if you're unwilling to, if you think you're going to pay that price later, uh, you simply won't get the change in circumstances that you want. There's a price. We all know what it is. Mm-hmm. You all know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And you got to pay that price up front. That's and true. then you can change your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, you know, this person, my good friend that I was talking about, who really wants a partner, she's decided to really put herself out there. I mean, she's on a couple of these online dating websites and she's really like making dates with people and you know it sounds like that logical choice but for her you know waiting for something to happen has been probably what's caused all the delay and so finally she's saying i'm gonna make it happen i'm not just gonna wait for it to happen hats off to all the people in the world who make it happen definitely the other one last thing i i think we kind of covered it earlier when i was telling about talking about my oldest child sadie is acceptance um, going towards this place inside of you that says, it's not meeting my expectation, but let me just take this and accept where right. I am regardless. Like, like the serenity prayer. Yeah, like the serenity prayer. There you go. Uh, I don't know what it is off, off the top of my head. So 
But if you're curious about it and you don't know the serenity prayers, you can always Google the serenity prayer and it'll be irrelevant. To you, you don't know, do you? Well, I do, but I probably would fumble with, with the words, so I'll, I'll just let that go. Well, I think that is it for us at Heterodox Americana, and we'll see you, talk to you. We want to you. Uh, we hope that you will tune in and join us next week. That's right. So right. see ya. See ya.